0: You're going awful slow in this thing, you are right. When you get a book, did you ever find a book before in your life where you can take one word and talk about it for three weeks? <laughs> isn't it a strange book? It really is. I, I got this thing worked out right here. If I stand right here, I can see Roger by this lampshade and I can see Nancy by this lampshade. <laughs> if I move, I'm dead one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um isn't it a great book? Amen. It really is. I'm really, when we hit chapter 2, we're going to take off. I probably would just zip through chapter 2, make one week on a whole chapter. But chapter 1 is the reason we're in Second Peter. So I am trying to get a verse done a week. I really am. And sometimes it's hard. But will you you hang with us and we're going to do the thing. Look at Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Let's read and get a run and end up in verse 3 this morning, okay? You love Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. You, how many people are Episcopalians? Raise your hand. <laughs> You talk like him. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. Is it hopeless? <laughs> one more time. Now let's just pretend that Peter came to the door and they think it's a spirit. He just came out of prison. And the Lord just like, you love Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. Well, I'm making you guys fanatics yet. Here we go. Second Peter chapter one. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to oh, them God. who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to what? Glory and virtue. Now, Father, bless the reading and the preaching of your word. Lord, this morning I ask you, Father, to edify these believers, to build them up. God, give them a spirit and an attitude, Lord, of just waiting to charge hell with squirt guns, God. Give us the attitude, Lord, of taking the things and being strengthened here and then going out in the world and just living as godly as we can and just doing it because we're excited about what you've given us in Jesus Christ. Now, Father, thank you for the time. Bless now, build believers in Jesus' name. Amen. 1.3 One, three says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things, that we need to live godly in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you say that the power of God is the main thing we've got going for us, or the one thing that we've got that nobody else has got? Do you remember back in the book of Acts, the sorcerer tried to buy the power from, from the apostles? Do you realize men have done everything in the world to get the power of God upon their lives? Do you realize preachers go to seminars to learn how to the secret to getting the power of God in their preaching? Do the uh, the Christians have, have longed to have the power of God upon their lives? What is the power of God this morning? Would you agree that if the power of God rest upon you, you'd be something? Not you, but the power? Wouldn't it be neat to just kind of walk around and say, I've got the power of God in my pocket? You know? and uh, wouldn't it be kind of neat and you think about the power of God you think about Elijah and Moses the two witnesses over in Revelation chapter 11 and and they get over there and, 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 and they're there and the, the Soviet soldiers walk up with their with their uh, mini-14s and their AK-15s and they walk up there and they point them on Elijah and the Bible says fire proceeds out of their mouths and devours those that would hurt them <laughs> could you imagine that thing? I mean fire proceeding out of their mouths and burning up troops can't you see a man, people falling around dead and like flame throws? Can't you imagine the kind of power those people had? Elijah sitting up heaven for three and a half years in a the tribulation that it rained on a drop. Could you imagine that, that kind of power? Could you imagine me like old Elisha back there in Kings when, when the kids are out there um, making fun of him because he was bald? There ain't think any bald people here I can tease, haven't we? <laughs> Um, We got out there because he's bald and he just curses him. And what happens? A she-bear comes out, takes care of him. Man, you got a power? Do you realize in the Old Testament, if you were a godly man, I mean, you lived godly, that you could ask God to give you riches and God had to? Yeah. Do you realize your riches showed how godly you were? Do you realize if you were an Old Testament man and you were, and you were righteous and godly, you could ask God to kill a man and God to kill him? Hmm. I mean, that's power, isn't it? That's the type of thing where you say it, it happens. Well, friend, that power is available today. Now, not to kill people. We're in a different dispensation. But that power is available. The Bible says in verse 3, According as his divine power hath given unto who? Hath given unto who? Hath given unto who? Hath given unto who? who? Uh. There we're getting it. Given unto us all things that pertain unto life, and godliness. Do you realize this morning we got up here at Sunday school and talked to you about being dead to sin? And I'm sure the thought crossed your mind, can I do that? Can I give up my, whatever, I, whatever my sin is? We've all got our own little pet sins. Can I give up my little pet sin for Jesus? Can I do it? Do you realize the Bible says His power is giving you all things that you need to live godly in Christ Jesus? Do you realize this morning, if I were to say, all right, guys, this is war. Let's wrap up everything. Let's go home and get all of our firearms. Or you just come back here at 3 o'clock. We're going to assault Lowry City this afternoon. We're going to take Lowry City. We're going to come back here, and I had assault rifles. I had grenades. I had field packs. I had boots. I had camouflage. You know, I had everything. And I took you men and women. We dressed you up and, and put, you know, helmets on your head with camouflage. and stuck tree limbs in them, you know, and and put turkey feathers on Sam's head, and, and, and uh, came there and they dressed you out in combat fatigues, and put, put a 40-45 put a, put a on your hip, you know, and, and gave you a mini-14 or an AR, and, and put you out there with about 900 rounds, and, and, and field-dressed you and gave you some C-rations, and, and just took the thing and just fitted you up. We loaded ourselves in a, in a half-track out here with a big 50-millimeter on top, and we, we drove down, uh, down, uh, down 52 over here, up to 8, up here to, go, to go assault at Lowry City. Now, let's just say we do that this afternoon. You would get out there in the fighting, and, and uh, some of you, we would, we would assault. We would send in the mortars, you know, send in the, 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 the nine inches, you know, and start pounding the city, you know. This is, you say, this is wild, you're right. And, and we really get the thing, get the, yeah, I can see you guys aren't military. I can't city here to go nuts about this time. We're military crazy up there. And so we go up there, we live in the city, and you get down there, and you say, and, and, and you reach back there to put your clip in your gun, and you're running bullets. Or what if you reach out there and pull a grenade, throw a grenade, and the thing doesn't go off. And then you start looking back at me as a supply officer, and saying, Hey, friend, why didn't you give me this? Hey, friend, uh, you know, my, my sights are off. You know, I'm not, I'm not hitting when I'm shooting. Or, or, hey, friend, you know, where's the, where's the air support? Or, or, hey, friend, what's this? And when a soldier goes into battle, he goes into thing prepared. And if he doesn't, he probably loses his life, doesn't he? I got a friend, Bob Alexander, who you'll meet. He uh, said when he was in boot camp. Uh, back at Fort Devon, he said they used to come in here at 3 o'clock in the morning. The sergeant would turn a light and blow the whistle, and of course everybody would stand up in their skivvies or stand attention, and um, they'd stand there, and uh, he, says, okay, he said, okay, boys, get your rifles. And they'd reach out there, and they, I guess they were shooting uh, carbines back then, M1s. They'd take an M1 out, and he'd stand there, and he'd say, okay, now. I'm going to turn the light. We'll turn the light back on in 30 seconds. You'd have your, your gun field stripped and field broken down. 3 o'clock in the morning, man, you're Still asleep, you know, having a great dream, and your sergeant wakes you up, so he turns off the light, and hear your sh- hear metal and clapping, you know, and 30 seconds, 45 seconds later, the light goes back on, and you're going to be broke down upon your bed. So then he says, okay, gentlemen, walks down the thing, inspects each one of them, Says, okay, gentlemen, I'm going to turn the light back off, and in 45 seconds, you're going to be better reassembled. And so he turns the light back off, and you hear the clattering of of, of metal again, and they come back up and they've got their gun in their hand. It better be all together. Now, why do they do that? Why three o'clock in the morning in the dark they make a man field strip his weapon? The reason being because if you're out in a foxhole somewhere in the dark and you're gun jammed, you take it apart and get it cleaned up. That's going to cost you your life. Amen? Now, same thing with Christianity. Everything you need to live godly in Christ Jesus, you've got. You've got a weapon that you've got to learn. If you field strip that weapon at night when you can't see, it's got hard in your heart. And use your weapon in any foxhole, in any, any, any type of situation. And, and the Bible teaches us in verse 3 that God's given you everything you need to live godly. He's given you every bit of ammunition. He's given you every offensive, every defensive weapon. He's given you everything. Now let me ask you a question. Let's just say that the Saturday the rapture takes place. Let's, let's hope, okay? Saturday the rapture takes place and we're all changed and we stand before him. And tonight's the judgment of Christ. Let's just say it's that way. And you walk up before God and you stand before God and you're standing there and he calls your name and you walk up there and you fall down on your face and you're standing before the God of the universe and the, the assembled ranks of heaven are there. I mean, there's billions standing there watching you. Now, Lord why didn't you appropriate my sacrifice of crucifying you with me on the cross? Uh, why didn't you uh, live godly for me? You can't point your finger in God's face and say, well, God, you didn't show me how, or God, you didn't give me what I needed. See, the Bible teaches very plainly that everything you need, you've got. What are those things that you need? Well, number one, you, you, you've got the Holy Spirit of God residing inside you. <laughs> Amen? He's to lead you and guide you in all truth. He's your teacher of this book. You can't say, well, Lord, the wasn't pastor in Apple and City to teach me the Word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit of God. It should have been better with a pastor. You got the Holy prayer to God. He can do better than a pastor can. You've got your authorized version. You, you don't need, uh, you know, it's not like anybody in the world hasn't got a dime store Bible. Isn't that right? I mean, everything you need to live godly, you've done. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took your sins away. He crucified you. If this morning I would begin to enumerate what you've got to live godly, you know, there, there's no excuse. So this morning, just, just to make the point ahead of time instead of the end, boy, get what you've got. Uh, his divine power has given you some things. He's given you everything. And like I've told you before, there's a test coming. There's a day coming when he's going to say, I gave you the answers to the test. Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you listen? So, Every Christian, everybody's born again, you've got everything. You're a fully field-packed soldier ready to go to battle. Okay? And our battles are spiritual, not physical. Amen? Okay. Now, there's two phases of power. And you may want to jot this down in the margin or something. There's two phases of power. Okay? Number one, you have the power of salvation. Now notice verse 3 says, according as his divine power, what? Half. is that present future or past tense the word hath according as his divine power hath given it to us past tense you've already got it see it's not like i learn and get it as i learn no you've got it you've had it ever since you bent your knee to jesus christ now there's two powers of god in the bible actually there's one power of god you might want to write this down 1 Corinthians 1, 24. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 says, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So if you want to define the power of God in your life, it is Christ. Okay? Now, your power of God has given you everything to live godly in Christ Jesus. what verse 3 says. Christ has. Didn't he? Romans 6, talk about this morning. He killed your body. He raised you up, baptized you to his body. He gave you newness of life. He gave you his Holy Spirit. He preserved his word for you. He's given you everything. Amen? So, at that time of salvation, the power of God, Jesus Christ, has given you everything. Now, the second way that thing works is this way, that you've got power in your Christian living. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to them that believe, to the Jew first and also the Greek. So the Bible says that the power of God is the gospel. That's power for me living today. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. So if I go out here today on the street this afternoon up here and park out here in front of the, what is it, the Blue Inn Cafe up here and get my tracks out and get my Bible and start preaching out on the street this afternoon, I got the power of God upon me because I'm preaching the gospel. Amen? Now, God tells you very clearly that the gospel is the power of God and Christ is the power of God. Let me ask you a question. Are there two powers of God? How many people think there are two powers of God? Let me see your hand. People think there are two powers of God. You guys are the most non-committal bunch i ever saw in my life. People don't know. I'm going to get you to commit. People don't know. John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. Verse 12. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. So you know what God did? Did I share this with you? This is free. No charge. How many, test- how many, how many testaments are there in this book? What's two number of? Thank you. Two two number of division. You want to teach? No. Two number of division. Amen? How can two often accept they be agreed? Isn't three, three the number of completion? What's the Third Testament? And the Word is made flesh and brought among us who beheld his glory. The third word's up there. We'll be united. Me? Is that knee? So, I to tell you're overwhelmed. Um, so what you've got is when you got saved, Christ gave you everything you needed. No excuses. I mean, you've got them there. If you can't fire your M16, then top, man. But he gave it to you, right? Now, you're living a life. i got everything I need. Now what do I have? The Word. The gospel of Christ is my power. So what do I do? I take the power of God and I appropriate it. How? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I shop let me depart from thy, from thy word. Is that right, Renee? Let depart from thy word? I blew you too, didn't I? <laughs> so you take that thing and you've got the power of God right here. So, what do you do? You say, okay, I want to live godly. I want to be one of those who obtain like precious faith. One of those who don't draw back to perdition, remember? One of those who aren't turning back. What do I do? Okay, I take this book, and the next verse in 2 Peter 3 says, um, according as uh, he has given us divine promises, precious promises, that by these, where am I at? 2 Peter, I was back in Isaiah for some reason. Ah, uh, 1.4 says, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, with these what? Promises. Ye might be partakers of what? The divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So see, the power you've got is in the divine promises. What promises did he give you? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What promises did he give you? I'll send my Holy Spirit to lead you in all truth. Amen? I'll give you a book. Not one jot or one tittle shall pass out of my book till all these things be. I mean, he's giving you promises. He's giving you promises of being dead to sin. He's giving you promises of living to righteousness. He's giving you promises of knowing him. I mean, they're immense. They're immense. So what do we do? The power of God supplied you everything that you need to live godly in Christ Jesus. Let me just jump through a couple things that I jotted down here that maybe God's given you by his power. You don't need to write these down, but whatever. I mean, just run through some things with it and just kind of show you what God's given you. This is not anywhere close to being a complete list. Well, number one, he's given the Spirit of Christ. Amen? But you got to teach talk. Amen? amen? If I say something you like, say amen. amen. Okay? This is, we are not Episcopals, okay? We will not excommunicate you for opening your mouth in church, okay? <laughs> Don't so say praise the Lord. Say it, you know. We need to get some freedom here. Okay, the Spirit of Christ. Now, number one, that's life. Romans chapter 8. If you have the Spirit of Christ, you have life. If you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. Secondly, He's promised to lead you in all truth, hasn't He? Through the Spirit of God. Thirdly, He promised to convict you of sin in your life. Maybe this morning, He said there's a sin right there. If He did, you either do two things, Jonathan. If He did, you do two things. Number one, you either say no. Or you just kind of ignore it, or you say, "Yes, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry," and you confess it, convicts you of sin. Thirdly, he said he leads you in righteousness. Fourthly, he said he would make intercession for you. Romans chapter eight. Isn't that neat? If I can't pray as I should, the Holy Spirit of God will make intercession for me. Further, for, for, man, he said he guides your lives. He said he would give you fellowship with the Father through the Holy Spirit of God. He said he would, he would give, let our spirits bear witness. You ever walked up to a Christian and didn't know and talk, started talking to him in just a sweet fellowship? That's the Holy Spirit of God. Our spirits bear witness. Second thing he's giving you, the Word. The book right here. What's the book? What's he giving you? Doctrine. What should I believe? Number two, through this book, he set up a standard for you to live by. Who is that standard? Jesus Christ. The measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, Ephesians chapter 3. So, you've got a standard to live by. He told you in that book, he would reveal God to you. Fourthly, he said that he would instruct you on how you should live holy in, in, in Christ. Fifthly, uh, he would give you the vehicle that would take you to holiness. He would not only tell you how, but he'd, he'd, he'd take you there. Next thing he'd do is he'd prove you. He'd show you what's wrong don't you we have to improve your kids? No, I said. Pop the back of the little hand. That's what God does, through his word. All scriptures come the inspiration of God. It's for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And lastly, it's gives you for correction. How do I correct the problem? Well, don't put your hand on the stove burner. That's how you correct the problem. Now, thirdly, he's made you an overcomer. Think of that thing. I am going to overcome. How? Number one, I'm dead to sin. Number two, I've been raised to walk in newness of life. Number three, he triumphed over death, so I'm going to triumph over death. Fourth, he took the sting out of death. Fifth, he he made victory over me, self. I now can beat me. Seventh, gave me victory over the world out there. First John chapter three, he gave me victory over Satan. First John chapter three, he seated me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you realize right now you're sitting in heaven? Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Right now, you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's something he's given you, in it? That's just a short little list of what God's given you. God's given you everything that you need to live godly in Christ Jesus. Now, look at the rest of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Those are different. Through the knowledge of him. Now, didn't we just say that knowledge last week in verse 2? Through the knowledge of him, or two weeks ago, that hath called us to what? Glory and what? Virtue. Now, I'm going to cover virtue when we get down to verse 5. But what is virtue? We all want our daughters to be virtuous, don't we? What's that? Purity. Cleanliness. Do you realize God's called you to purity? I mean, you called. He called you to purity. Now, go to the first word. Called us to glory and virtue. Now, I'm going to take just a second, and I am going to open up a can of big worms, okay? But something to you know. Peter here mentions. Probably the doctrine in the Bible that will change your life. I mean the doctrine in the Bible that will make you live different. Do you realize God has called you just like he wants you to be holy? Do you believe he wants you to be holy? Say amen. 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 I mean, you really believe that? Amen. Just with the fervor that he wants you to be holy, he wants you to have glory dumped on you. He wants to make you a king. He wants to make you a ruler over nations, over millions of people. You say, Me yeah. He's called you to glory. Now, I am in a nutshell gonna just gonna jump through this thing, and then I'm gonna come back at a later date somewhere down the road and teach it. I know it'll come up because this is so uh, so pivotal in you making it as a Christian. Now, um, very quickly turn to Second Peter chapter three second Timothy chapter three, pardon me. Second Timothy chapter three. We touched on these last week in communion. Then we talked about being worthy? Can somebody tell me the bottom line of that message, how you became worthy? Do you remember? Maybe you'll read 2 Timothy 3.12 and remember. Suffering makes you worthy. Remember Revelation chapter 5, the lamb had been slain, and hence he was worthy. Now, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Right? Turn over to 2.12. If we suffer with Christ, we'll reign with Christ. If we deny him, we will deny us. If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. What's that telling you? That's telling you that if you suffer, you'll reign. Amen? That excites you? So what do I do? I get up and I say, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, Dave, I'm going to appropriate what you taught me this morning about crucifying the flesh and dying on the altar to self. And Dave, I am going to live God of this week. You just might as well hang on because you've got the worst week you've had in, in, in months. And you just better grab one of both rails and hang on because the bottom is going to come out of the thing and you're going to come in next Sunday morning tattered and torn and beaten and bruised. But you know what's going to happen? The Bible teaches you very clearly and very plainly that that suffering brings glory. That suffering brings position. Philippians 1.29 says, now listen to this, For it is given to you on the behalf of Christ, it's given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe, but also to suffer. So just as important as it is for you to believe on Christ, as for us to spread the gospel, it's just as important for you to suffer for Him. I don't like suffering. In fact, I hate when my life goes upside down. Do you? I despise when my life's just topsy-turvy. But the Bible says that if you will make a stand and say, no more sin in my life, then my friend, the Bible teaches that you are going to screw to hang on because if you live godly, you'll suffer. And then when you suffer, you're going to reign. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Are you guys getting this stuff kind of in your mind? Starting to know where all these things are at? Begin to learn where your triggers at on your M1. If I know where the clip's at and the safety. Romans 8 and 17. And if children, than heirs. You're a child of God this morning, say amen. And if children, than heirs. Heirs of God. You know what that is? You know, I'd like to be Brother Sam or Brother Estelle there. I really would. You know, I just think it'd be great to be one of their heirs, you know. I mean, you know you all see the four-wheel drive truck Sam's got. I mean, it's a beauty. I mean, uh, he took me out in that thing, you know, and he had to put the dash back in to get into that day. Hey, one of these days, my little kid over there is going to be my heir. He really is. I- I'm, I'm, you know, he ain't going to get much, but he's still going to be my heir. You know, I'll give him a couple worn-out Bibles, whatever library I've assembled. That's about all I have. And he's going to be my angel. Give anything I've got. Amen? Amen? Do you realize you're an heir of God? See, so as the Bible says, and join heirs with who? Put it down the middle. 50-50. Figure that out. The Son of God, the universe without measure. Halfsies. You're joined there with Christ. Amen? What's the next word? If. 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 You know, I've heard guys give and preach, Woo! Praise God! I'm the Son of God! I'm enjoying it with Christ! And never finish the verse. Yeah, yeah. After Christ is a semicolon, right? If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also, also glorified when? Together. You mean when Christ gets His glory, I get it at the same time? Can you imagine that day, with the assembled ranks of the universe, and God walks His Son up there to finally glorify Him and make Him King of everything, and you're at His right hand? Whew. Think of that day, together, man. If that won't get you get you sweating, if that won't get you excited, you're dead. From the next verse, can't you see now Paul's sitting there and he kind of puts his quill down? And he kind of sits back a minute and he kind of recesses back in his mind and he kind of says, you know, for I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. I better write that down. And he starts writing. Can you picture that thing in your mind? I just I reckon that, that the suffering just started, aren't even going to be compared. It's like comparing apples to diamonds, man. They're not even in the same category. Shed a few tears. Put your hand in the air let him carry you through this life. We have all these little things, footprints in the sand. There was two footprints in the sand, and then there was only one. And I said, Lord, but I thought you were walking with me. No, I was carrying you, stupid. And we have all these little sayings, which are fine. Who's doing it? Amen. We put these little footprint signs in the wall, but who's doing it? What the wall mark of your day? Ho or adventure? A whole wall of those things, man. Footprints in the sand. Oh, he carried me through life. He ain't gonna carry you through life until you're bleeding for him. He's not gonna pick you up and carry you through marshmallows. Picture up and the thorns, through the briars, through the pain, through the agony, through the gardens of Gethsemane when you're sweating blood in there. Amen? You still with me? Can you say amen to those parts as well as you can to the glory in heaven parts? Paul says that the sufferings of present time aren't even worthy to be, comp- they're not worthy to be compared. They're not to be compared. They're not even worthy to be compared. Let's not even talk about them in the same conversation with the glory that shall be revealed in who? Who? You guys have to talk to me. I'm getting tired of saying who. I feel like an owl up here. (laughs) Who is the glory revealed in? Us. You and me. Does that excite you? Now, friend, the course is plain. I mean, if you've not figured out the last two weeks, the course is plain. The course sees you bend your knee to Jesus Christ and you say, be Lord. And he says, okay, if you make me Lord, I'll do some things for you. I'll take your hell. I'll make you a son of God. And I'll give you the capability of being everything that I am. And he takes him, takes him back there and he says, okay, now, you see that thing right over there in, in the life? That's my son. You walk your life and be just like him. Just like him. And then when you get there, I'll make you just like him. And I'll give you half of what he gets. I'll give you just what he gets. Just what he gets. Now, turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and I'll put it all together for you. You say, Dave, aren't you getting just a little bit much? My friend, are there any Jesus Christ in here this morning? Anybody ever met a Jesus Christ? I don't see any hands. That must mean that there's nobody suffered quite like he has or walked quite as godly as he has, has there? So, we don't get quite as much as he does. But you understand, if you were Jesus Christ, you could. The way God's got things set up, it's not going to happen. I'll never get just the same thing Jesus Christ gets, but I can sure get as much as I want to get. I can't. You just as much as I want to get. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 and 3. Therefore, seeing also, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's our race. Looking unto Jesus at the end of the race, the author and the finisher of our faith, Now look at the next phrase, who for the what? Joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. But he did. Who knows what joy is in the Bible? Remember James 1, 2? Brethren, Count it all joy when you fall in the diver's temptations during the trying of your faith work. You ever heard a preacher get up and say, when your mom dies, laugh. (laughs) Be happy about it. She's in heaven. You ever heard anybody anybody preach that way? Hogwash. That's that's, um, that's horse feathers. That joy has nothing to do with getting giggly inside, being bubbly, joyish. You know what that joy is? you remember what Jesus said back in Matthew 24 and around Luke 24? He said, Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. Didn't he? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Joy is that glory that's up there in heaven. You know why Jesus Christ died on the cross? He didn't die to save me. I mean, that came out of it. He died for the joy God was going to give him. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Hey friend, you know what you're supposed to do? Who for the joy that's set before you endure the cross, despise the shame, and one day be set down at the right hand of the Father. Understand? The very same thing that Christ endured. It's given you on the behalf of Christ only to believe but also to suffer. Just like He did, you gotta do. Remember in John 14, 15, 16, Jesus said to watch out, guys. Don't be deceived. The servant's not to than his Lord. If they hate me, they're gonna hate you. See? So what do we do with that thing? We take that thing and say, Okay, I'm not better than he is. If the master went through it, so does the servant. Amen? So here's what we do. Here's our course. We take this. Here's our course, man. We say that if I will live godly, I can get everything that God's got to give me. I can reign over universes. And one of these days, I'll teach you about that Jew out there in the middle, out there in eternity, how we're going to populate the universe. I'll teach you that one of these days. And, and that thing going to be immense where God's just going to do away with sin, and we're just going to make a new heaven, new earth, and just go on forever. And we're going to be reigning. We're going to be the ones that are doing what God wants us to do. Now, here's the bottom line. If I want that thing, I set myself a goal. I run the race. And I say, that, that, that goal is joy. That goal is the joy that Jesus Christ has for me. The suffering with Christ. The glory that I'll be glorified together with. So what do I do? I say, okay, Lord, it's time and you put your King James under your arm, and you kind of set your chin like a flint like God told Ezekiel, and you just start walking. And you say, come hell, come high water, come anything, I'm going to live for God because I want that. I want to be glorified. I want to be a king forever. And so you set your chin like a flint, and you say okay, and you hang on because the storms are going to come, and you get in your power. He's already given you on the cross everything you need to do it. And then he gave you the power to sustain you during the trip. So you grab your old book and you wrap your arms around it and you fall in love with it and you hang on and you go for it. And you know something? There's not many folks going for it anymore. The world's too bright. The world's too glittery. We're too comfortable. Why do I need God? I got a good job. I pay all the bills. I got a nice house. I got a nice car. What do we need God for? Why suffer? I don't have to. Do we? My friend, I promise you, if you have a problem with this, you get on your knees before God and you beg God to give you a glimpse of that glory up there. And when you get a glimpse of it, my friend, nothing will dim your fervor. Nothing will stand between you and that glory and that joy. You see, we've got this idea that the Christian life is just piddling around, piddling around, just kind of get to heaven sit in the cloud and play a harp. Huh? That glory, my friend, is things the eyes have never seen, ears have never heard, is that in the heart of man, the things God prepared for who? Those that love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Greater love of no man than this, lay down his life for his friends. who have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we may be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruptions in the world through lust. Can't you see yourself running from a prison camp? Having escaped the corruptions in the world through lust. How? Through the divine precious promises, through the power it gave us. Hey, you know something? I want to go for it. I really do. You say, what do you get all this zeal and fervor? I've seen the glory. There's some nights on my knees, just me and God. He's shown, he's shown me some things. When you get a glimpse of that thing, you ain't never going back. You see what God's going to give Jesus Christ. You see what, out there in eternity, what God's got in the millennium. You ain't never going back. But the whole point of the thing is, are you willing to be godly? And if so, will you be godly at all costs? You see, we can spend all the time out here in eternity, but the point is, I never get there, and it's right here I'm to take my lumps. I'm willing to endure the cross and despise the shame. Do you see what it's like? And what have Christians done today? They're not willing. They want a padded pew, they want air-conditioned churches, they want everything to go so-so, Don't rough my feathers. Don't holler in church. Don't raise your voice. And for God's sake, don't say amen. (laughs) They ain't got a clue. They're in the wrong ballpark. I'm going for glory. I'm going to walk the line. I'm going to get excited. I'm going to love my Jesus. I'm going to love the brethren. And we together are going for glory. Are you? I am. If they want to bicker about how many pews to put on each side, what color of cool white or daylight lights to put in the fixture, fine, what temperature put the, I know a church where they argue at the thermostat temperature. I know a preacher like this church because they wouldn't put a clock in the front of the church, they wouldn't put it in the back of the church. If you want to argue about that stuff, fine, but my friend, there's a more exceeding way of glory available than where the clock's at in the church. Whether women wear pants or wear dresses, whether men wear long and short sleeves shirts, whether you can have a mustache and be godly or not. You can. <laughs> Friend, I tell you this because I'm excited. Because I'm going. And I'm going to live godly for him. And whatever it takes, whatever comes across my path, I'm going for it. The question is for the future of Bible Baptist Church, is who's going with me? Because the church and the preacher, the church, the people. I got one vote just like you got. No different. Henceforth, if we all say, yeah, let's, it's war time! <laughs> Isn't that what the world says? Weekends were made for Michelin. Isn't that what the world says? Hey, friend, weekends were made for getting glory. How about we do that? Let we put a TV commercial on. Instead of I found it at the Southern Baptist Convention, let's make it out. Weekends were made for getting glory. You know, let's live godly. Whatever you need, do a whole ad, do big bulletin boards. I lost it, but I got the glory. You know, anything you want to do, man. Hey, friend, do you see that this thing's not piddling? Do you see that when God died, he meant business? And he meant for us to mean business. And we live in such a comfortable Christianity. We've lost it all. Who cares? He does. He died to make this available to us. Why not appropriate it? Why not the money in the bank? Let's take it. Ephesians 1 says, I got riches in Christ Jesus. He's given me a book that I can't even begin to read, much less comprehend that the depths just astound me. Let's do it. Let's meet back here tonight. We won't preach to you. We'll just get down here and just lay out something like the three alive, or do something crazy tonight and just have a good time and just get fat in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And then let's take the stuff we learned and Monday morning, I, I was thinking this week, I've got to tell you this. I was thinking this week at work how I just love to be weird. You say, you do a very good job at it too, preacher. I love to be an oddball. I was at work this weekend. Some things happened, and I just got kind of gloried in just being different. Being, I just get the biggest kick when they invite me to their beer parties. I just get the biggest kick. I mean, they have things that are company functions. Don't even invite me to company functions because no one will say no. I mean, by law, they've to have to, you know? They don't even bother. Oh, did you want to go? You know, type thing. I love being different. I love being excluded. I just like walking alone because I'm not alone. Amen. And I kept my King James Bible on the table and they all sit around me every lunch hour and say, one lady said one time, she said, I was taught never to mark in my Bible and I got to scribble all over the place, you know. I mean, they just sit there and look and they just stare and I love it. You know why I love it? Because the more I get closer to God, I find out God's people are peculiar. He's called the peculiar people, the holy people, be out from among and be separate by yourself and I just love to come down here with you guys because you're my family and I come in and draw strength from you and I go back and be peculiar again you say you do a lot of peculiar down here too I know <laughs> that's okay you guys are my family and you love me anyway they don't like me a bear where do we, go? Where do, where do we take a, a, a July day you guys and we go out in the street in Nevada and pass out tracks then you really feel peculiar <laughs> Yeah, a Prince concert was coming to Kansas City. We were going to go to Prince and pass out tracks. We had a track that said, have you met the Prince? And over to the Prince of Peace. Hey, we got the, got the Loretta Lynn concert. Oh, it's great, man. We have a good time up there. But you know what you're doing? Standing. Setting your feet in mud or concrete and setting your chin like a flint. And said, I'm living godly. And I'm going to tell them.